Welcome to the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast for Friday, October 14th. Mark Schofield, Chuck Zotta, Kicker Friday. It's on. Chuck, I just, Kicker Friday, I don't know how we exactly started this, but I just, it's just a nice little tradition. It's like, when we first started doing it, it's like the Friday walkthrough before your Saturday game. You know, you're out there in just the helmets, the game shirts, you know. Oh, yeah. You know, running around, you're practicing, you know, special teams, The you know, the field goal without the timeouts where you just run onto the field without, you know, from the sideline. So it, it's just good to like, it kind of gets you through. You've had the long week of practice. You're just getting ready, doing the finishing, putting the finishing touches, that final shine on the weekend to come. And that's what I think what we're doing with Kicker Friday. It's really what it is. And I'll be honest, I, I like that you referenced the, uh, the last second field goal attempts. I was always better at those than when I had time to think. So, That'll tell you a little bit about how my career ended up going, uh, but it's, uh, you know, obviously we're here on Kicker Friday. It's a way to get you into the weekend, and look, give a little bit of love to our uh, to our specialist friends, because everyone knows there's nothing more lovable than, you know, cute little kicker, a big brutish punter, you know, that's just, that's just how we do that's, things. That's exactly right, and you know, that last second field goal thing, that is something the teams practice. I mean, they practice everything. I mean, on... Yep. On our Friday practices, we would practice the intentional safety. I mean, because you never know when you're going to need it. So that's what Kicker Friday is. We talk about this stuff. You never know when you're going to see something on a you know a Saturday or a Sunday game in the NFL where where did you hear it? You heard it on Kicker Friday. So in that vein, Chuck, what do you got served up for us? I think we're going to be talking a little Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, we've we've got the Ravens, and we're going to do a little bit of tag team demolition on the uh, on the coverage units for oh. the Ravens, both on the punt team and on the kickoff team because they, they've got some issues there and they really need to get this squared away because it's been something that's been going on all season and it really reared its head in uh, in the last game here. All right, so where do you want to start? Do you want to start kickoff or do you want to start punt coverage? I'm, I'm going to start on punt coverage, okay? okay. And I'm going to look at a punt. This is uh, coming from the first quarter, okay? Got about 5'11 left in the first quarter here. Baltimore's punting from their own 40-yard line. Now, Sam Cock of Baltimore, one of the best punters in the game in particular. What stands out most about him is his directional ability. Typically, every single thing that he hits or just about pretty close to it is not only outside the numbers, but a lot of times, you know, he's hitting this ball right at the sidelines and, and pretty much pinning teams for absolutely no return. And that's a good thing because the Baltimore punt coverage unit is not the strongest one that I've ever seen. In fact, it's actually one of the weaker ones that we have in the NFL this year. They've had 26 punts this year. They have had six returns already go for over 18 yards. So you're seeing over one punt return a game that's pretty much changing field position by 20 yards or more. And that's not a good situation to be in. You know, we, we talk about special teams units and their ability to affect the game and, and, and affect game planning on offense or defense. If you're consistently turning 50-yard punts into 30-yard nets, that's not a good thing for your team. And what we see here is this is a combination on this play where Cock, unfortunately, I don't know if it's by design. I can't imagine it's by design because punting from your own 40-yard line, you got a lot of flexibility to put this ball wherever you want. And it looks like he's trying to put this ball wide right because that's where the coverage unit for the Ravens initially goes. 
it ends up falling pretty much right in the middle of the field, and he puts out a 45-yard punt, so you know it's it's not great distance. It's about three yards below what you'd like to see in terms of league average. It's got 4.43 seconds of hang on it, so you know there's there's some hang time there. You, you know it's it's not like he completely hung his his punt unit out to dry, but what happens here is first off he's punting to Jamison Crowder, who uh, second-year player out of Duke. Uh, and Crowder's really started to show some things this year, not only in the return game, but also on offense that you know show that he's not necessarily a top-end option, but he provides, I think, a nice third receiver, potentially with some second receiver upside. Uh, and, and certainly when you talk about what he can do on returns, it adds another element to his game as well. Well, Crowder gets the ball uh, at his own 15-yard line, and he bounces out to his left, to the return team's right, so he's almost heading right into the teeth of that coverage unit. Well, what happens, though, is that Baltimore's coverage unit, the first three men down the field, okay, are suppo- you're supposed to be spread out and, and really, you know, covering as much ground as possible horizontally so there are no lanes. Well, what you end up seeing from Baltimore's coverage unit is that three guys end up getting washed right over that that right hash mark, right where Crowder's taking the ball around. So first of all, there's no one outside to prevent him from getting around it. He just goes right around those three guys. All of a sudden then, the, the rest of the coverage unit, it's almost like they stop. Crowder goes, okay? He gets the ball at the 15-yard line. He isn't touched by a Raven until the 45-yard line. It's 30 yards before anyone even lays a hand on him. And it's not like this is a particularly well-blocked play. There are Ravens that, that just see him and just take terrible angles to him and just have no idea, no spatial awareness at all to try to nail him down. The first person that touches him, okay, is the, is the right gunner who ends up coming all the way back and, and has to track back to the middle of the field in order to lay a hand on him. He doesn't even end up making the tackle. He pretty much just wraps and falls off. And Crowder pretty much goes untouched 85 yards, and it wasn't a very well-blocked play. Again, this is one where I look at it and I see if I go through and count the number of missed tackles we have here, and I'm watching right now, you've got one off the bat, two, three, four. There are five missed tackles before you even get to the punter. You know, it's, it's, and when I say missed tackles, I mean, again, they didn't lay a hand on him. It's just they took such bad angles that they got nowhere. So... It was not a pretty situation for the Baltimore punt coverage unit. Again, this is it's not any one man's fault here. This is a complete systemic systematic breakdown, and that's what you typically see on a on a return touchdown. Multiple you have to have multiple failures. Again, you had at least five guys here that just took such bad angles that they couldn't get anywhere. I want to ask you about the up back here because I'm watching the play myself and he does something here that I've never seen before. Usually the up back, you know, they're sort of like a personal protector type guy. Yep. They make sure the snap gets back. They make sure that's clean. And then they wait until the ball is kicked before they release. And they release up the middle of the field. Yep. Well, this guy, Anthony Levine, who's their backup strong safety, basically once the snap goes by him, he just releases and arcs around the right edge, basically, and then go heads up field. I've never seen that before. They likely knew, and if you, and I'm digging up the numbers right now, but 
Washington's only showing seven men around the line of scrimmage anyways. So if you've got seven other blockers there, you know you have everyone accounted for. Baltimore may have had a call where they simply said, look, if there's only seven, boogie out of there. Now, taking a look at what he does, and he gives a, he gives a pretty good clue, I think, to where they're trying to take this return. Because yeah. he, he boogies hard right and, and just gets out of there. And he's actually, I think he's the second guy upfield, but he just gets cleaned out yeah, on a block. Yeah, he gets lit up, yeah. He gets yeah, I mean, absolutely, that, yeah. well, no, so it, this is interesting, actually, because I'm glad that you pointed him out. It's not just on this play that he gets cleaned out. He plays a critical role on the kickoff that they give up as well. It's not a kickoff return touchdown, but he gets destroyed on that touchdown, on that uh, kickoff return as well, right at the point of attack. And, you know, it's it's one of those situations when when you are going downfield, whether it's on punt coverage where you've got guys coming from all angles or on kickoff coverage where you got a little bit more sense, I think, of where where guys can be coming from. You know, when you're coming down there, you got to have your head on a swivel because he just gets ear hold on this one and then he pretty much gets pancaked on the kickoff return. So it, it's not the prettiest picture that you see. Uh, from him over the course of this game and again there, there's no one person that's to blame when you have a touchdown here but he gets earholed on a pretty critical block when it's all said and done on this one uh, and you know it does end up costing them uh, he, he's at least a factor in this touchdown that ends up being scored here well what, why don't we get to that kick yeah, I mean, we, we might as well go over to uh, to this kickoff then. So, you know, we, we go through a little bit here, and we end up um, trying to just pull up the time where this happened. I don't have the exact time, unfortunately, which I don't want to ruin the entire thing here. Here we go. So this is happening uh, right at the end of the first quarter, okay? So Justin Tucker's kicking off now, and Tucker's got a big leg. You know, he can boom the ball wherever he wants. Baltimore, like a lot of teams this year, has been playing around with some of these shorter kicks to try to entice a return and end up uh, with, you know, really, you know, trying to pin a team inside that 25-yard line as opposed to giving up the touchback. So what Tucker does here is he just floats a nice little 58-yarder, and he puts it pretty much right on uh, the numbers here. He goes right down. If you're Baltimore kicking, he puts it right on the right numbers. So the returner is receiving it to the left of the field. The returner, Will Blackman, gets the ball, okay, gets the ball at his own seven-yard line, and what does he do? He goes straight up field, pretty much right up the numbers, and he runs right into a Baltimore player who happens to be Mr. Levine. So you're sitting there, and you say, okay, he's got a chance to redeem himself. What happens? Blackman puts on one of the worst spin moves that I've ever seen, but somehow gets out of it, and then it's, it's almost like the Ravens once again it's like they almost stopped playing, expecting that he was going to be wrapped up because he pretty much ducks right upfield, and he ends up returning this thing 45 yards. They're into Baltimore territory right right off the get-go. So you've got a situation where Baltimore saying, okay, you know, we've got a kicker that can pop this ball up, give our guys a chance to get downfield, which they do. The, the Baltimore coverage unit initially is pretty much at the 20-yard line when Blackman is receiving this kick. The problem is it's it's like they almost stop that the tackling is poor, the angles are once again poor, and you just don't see the 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 execution there from the coverage unit and it ends up resulting in a situation where Washington gets the ball, you know, right in uh right in Ravens territory 
for, for whatever reason, not for whatever reason, you, you probably watched the, uh, the Washington offense here. Washington pretty much ends up going nowhere. So the Baltimore defense bails them out here. But there's a problem on these coverage units, and it's a lack of effort. It's a lack of execution. And it's really something that they need to address because when you see these types of returns happening on a regular basis – you're, you're putting a lot of stress on your defense. The defense held up here on this kickoff return. You know, they were able to finally hold him and, and actually forced a punt out of the situation somehow. But you can't do that to your defense over and over. So it's something that they need to address. And, you know, I had pointed this out. They had, they had a punt uh, that they tried to cover a couple weeks back that was an absolutely beautiful punt right on the right sideline. And you had, you know, a gunner out of position. And then you had, you know, a whole breakdown in terms of, uh, you know, you, you had some decent blocking and, and pretty much they ended up turning what should have been about a 48 yard net gain into only a 28 yard net just because the coverage wasn't good enough. So this is something that's happening on a repeated basis. They've got to deal with it. They got to figure it out because otherwise, look, you can't give up a 20 yard punt return every week and expect to have it not bite you. It bit them once here. If they don't get it cleaned up, it's going to again. Something I should have asked you during the punt, but I can ask you now here. Um, Baltimore, there were like 30-mile-an-hour wind gusts during that game. Yeah. Do you think that played any role? Like, for example, you mentioned on the punt at least, it looked like they were totally going to be punting this thing to the right, but it ends up almost in the middle of the field. I mean, do you think that could have played a role on either of these kicks? It could have been. Let me just take a quick look just to see which way the wind was going from that end here so because it you know that was it was a wind that was messing with kickers Dustin Hopkins had an extra point that hit the left upright and let me just take a look and see which end that was going to and I'll be able to give you an update on where see what's interesting is so the Hopkins extra point and granted the wind was swirling a little bit on this one but the Hopkins extra point if the wind were blowing in the same direction during the punt it would have taken this punt out of bounds actually so okay. I don't it, it it probably was the wind. I'm guessing there was some swirling going on there. Um, you know, so that probably played into it somewhat. Um, but even even what you see on a situation like that is a punter, if they hit a punt that isn't going the direction that they intend for it to go. So let's say that you have a punt to the right uh, that you've got on and the punter mishits it and the punt starts going left. What the second a punter hits it, he knows where that ball's going. So he immediately starts yelling left, 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 or center, center, yeah. center. Now, obviously it's it's a loud stadium. There's a ton going on on punt coverage, so not everyone hears. But Baltimore, again, they they get down in pretty decent position to cover this. You know, they're they're kind of sitting there, and then all of a sudden their coverage unit just stacks up right on that hash. They, you know, they run into each other, one guy gets ear hold, and all of a sudden the whole thing's blown to hell. And, they, and they've got nothing they can do there. So, you know, it may have played into it. And, and certainly it's, it's not the punt that you want in that situation. You've got a chance to pin Washington deep. And, and, and you need to put that punt there outside the numbers, either to the left or to the right. So there's a failure by the punter, no doubt, in this situation. But what the coverage unit did, they, they, they did not help him out in any way, shape, or form either. Um, and, and I think, again, it's when you look at a, a play like this, touchdowns on special teams, they happen because of collective failures. That's absolutely what you saw here. So what should Baltimore do going forward? I don't know how you coach effort, not at the NFL no. level. 
Yeah, I you know that's it's it's effort and focus and execution. It's it's not a case where you're being outsmarted. You know, none of these, n- neither of these plays were great play designs by Washington to generate these returns. It's look, you 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 simply got out hustled and and you didn't execute what you were supposed to do. So. I don't know how you coach that at the NFL level. Um, it's probably one of the great challenges of coaching at the NFL level, but they need to figure it out. Otherwise, this is going to continue to be a problem the longer you go this season. All right. So, anything else you want to cover, my friend? I think the only thing left to cover at this point is that we're we're closing in rapidly on beer o'clock and. Oh boy! It's about that time once again, my friend. It is about that time once again. One of the time best times of the week. What, what are you going to be rolling with this weekend? So this weekend, I got my parents in town. Uh, oh boy! Par- parents are coming into town. Yep, Good they're vi- visiting for the weekend. I had a birthday last week, so they're coming to wish me a little uh, happy belated thirtieth. So uh, Mazel Tov, Lahaim, and you know everything else that's good in the world. And what I think I'm going to queue up this weekend is, you know, I think I want to. I'm feeling kind of the October at this point. Here we go. You know. And so I'm, I'm not quite sure what direction I'm going to go in yet, but I think I'm finally ready to kick a little bit of Oktoberfest beer, you know, something going on in that direction, just because I finally got the leaves changing. I finally got that going on. So I'm going Oktoberfest now. I'm not going to, I don't like to do it for too long, but just a week or two. Yeah. I, I, I've been rolling the Sam Adams Oktoberfest for a little bit, um, you know, just to get that kicked off. Remember what I told you though about turning 30, man. Which part? The Hanovers. It's a whole new ball game now. It's Not looking forward whole, to it. It is a whole new ball game. I've got the cure, though. You do have the cure. I've got that's, the cure. That's an in, inside ITP secret, though. Don't let that anywhere no, near no, no, the public. No, that, we the, do not let that out. Can't let the hangover cure public. So no. Uh, what what are you going to be rocking? You sticking with the Sam uh, Sam October this weekend? No, we're, we're rolling with. We're, uh, speaking of the hangover cure, Wyatt Barker, the Merry Monks, the Belgian style Trapel. Okay. Yep. Yep. That's the one that's 9.3 ABV. Yeah, nice. You pop that, a couple that, of those puppies, you're rolling. One or two of those, and you're good to go, my friend. That's what it's all but, about. Yeah. We are we are done for the week. Hope all of you enjoy Beer Clock as well. We'll catch you back here Monday on the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>